Then, when they finally had him stable, they operated to repair the damage done by the karmic kidney stones. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, eventually, Benjamin, age 66, was returned to the prison. Uh, and so, in his appeal that started in April of 2018, Benjamin claimed that because he had momentarily died, his life sentence had technically been completed. Oh, that's novel. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. So, uh, his attorney argued that Benjamin had been sentenced to life without parole, but not life plus one day. Hmm. hmm. Not afterlife. Not afterlife. Right. So, the district court wasn't buying it for one (laughs) damn minute. They didn't find him funny at all or clever. (laughs) They called that argument unpersuasive and without merit. (laughs) That's a quote. I see. So, uh, but Benjamin's attorney, being like uh, the little little engine that could, uh, took the case to the appeals court. Uh Uh-huh. But it ruled that the convict just couldn't have it both ways. This is a quote. Schreiber is either alive, in which case he must remain in prison, or he is dead, in which case this appeal is moot. (laughs) The court said in their six-page ruling. The possibility that Benjamin Schreiber is dead, the court added in a footnote, seemed unlikely given that the appellant had himself signed legal documents in the case. (laughs) (laughs) Furthermore, the court added... They have a sense of humor. They do, right? (laughs) It seems unlikely. It seems like Iowa really... uh, They got it going on. They got it going on, right? Yeah. Furthermore, the court added, Mm -hmm. the sentence he is serving in the Iowa State Penitentiary will not end until a medical examiner declares him dead. Ouch. Mm. (laughs) Well, guess that will be the final authority on earth, at least. (laughs) Not that he won't have one more trial left after that. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, Benji. A big one. Yeah, he'll the, be he'll be the real facing, Supreme Court. Yeah, he'll be facing one more Supreme Court right. after that one. But uh, turns out you have one more doctor that has to declare you dead, <laughs> and that one's going to be doing what we like to call the Y incision, the classic Y, the classic Y. <laughs> and uh, when they reflect your scalp, they're going to know whether or not you're really dead. Yeah, you'll let them know. You'll let them know. At that point, it'll be obvious, I'm afraid. Yeesh. Yeah, so. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's so. Interesting. Poor uh, little Benji. Interesting angle. Yeah, that was, yeah, it was, hey, somebody had to try it, right? That's I right. mean, hey, if he's dead, he can't still, you can't keep him in, in here for life without parole if he died. And then you pull him up to the witness stand. Sir, well, just one question. Please state Are your you name. dead? <laughs> Please state your name <laughs> yes. for the courts. Uh, By virtue of the fact that he answered the question, he is not dead. Case yeah. closed. Yeah. Wow. And uh, but that's pretty wormy. It's like news. the Twinkie, that's the news, Twinkie right? defense. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, but that's a good. That's, that's a good. good that's a worm news story, that though, is, is a it worm not? News story. That's pretty wormy. That's very wormy. Yeah. So. Cool, baby. If I was going to be a worm news story, that would be that would be it. Well, I've got a story. You've got a story. I do. Who goes first? You, you always go first. Well, I know, but I thought I'd open it up. Act polite. For a suggestion. You'd be polite. Yeah. So 
my story, let, let's let's start with a little intro here. Let's talk about stealing. That's, okay? Stealing's not very nice. It's not very nice. But I think we can agree that some stealing is worse than some other stealing. Like, for example, let's say guy A steals guy B's car. Now, that's kind of shitty. You know, yeah, it's not, not nice. nice. Not, that's nice. not nice. But what about the guy who cons the 75-year-old woman out of her retirement money? That guy needs to go straight to hell. That's, not collect $200. So that's still stealing, but one is definitely worse than the other. Well, and, and of course, there's the mom who steals, like, bread to feed her kid. Right. And that's, that's yeah, that's like, you no, know, that's not even mm, that crime. Mm. Or it shouldn't be. Well, except for the people who had to buy and make the bread. I mean. Yeah, well. But, yes, but that does point to an example that's a much less serious type of stealing. Right. So there's a gradient there. And I think that that gradient exists in the world of murders as well. They're all bad. They're all bad. But some of them, for various reasons, are worse than others. hideous. And some of them are much, much worse than others. I think you're on thin ice, my friend. I'm going to be talking Murder's about... Murder's bad. I'm going to... Yeah. But I mean, let's talk about people like the toy box killer or, you know, I mean... Just saying murder's bad. Let's just... Yeah. It is bad. I'm not endorsing murder. I'm just saying that some are worse than others. Some give us the eebie-jeebies more. Correct. This story is of a guy named Marcel Petiot in France. Now, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm sure I'm not. I'm going to call him Marcel. That's an easier Because Petio, P-E-T-I-O-T, I don't know. But uh, Dr. Marcel Petois, could be. It's Marcel. Dr. Marcel. Yeah. (laughs) Um, He's one of the, what I found, one of the lesser known, but definitely one of the worst serial killers in history. Oh, Talk about evil. This dude is evil. So this took place a little while ago. It's not from... 2015. Wasn't in November. No. He was born in 1897. So it was 120 years or so. There were some bad dudes back then. There were. And I'm not going to spend too much time on his early years. Um, But he was kind of a strange kid. Expelled from multiple schools for his behavior. Um, He eventually finished school in 1915. Did a short stint in the French military. He was jailed for a bit for his persisting kleptomania. Isn't that strange? Yeah. He ended up discharged from the uh, French military uh, with disability benefits after he literally shot himself in the foot. And a psychiatrist (laughs) believed that he had a mental breakdown and they suggested that he be committed to an asylum. So they suggested it. um, So I guess they didn't order it. it was a loose suggestion. It was a suggestion. So instead of that, he ended up interning at the asylum oh. while he attended medical school. Oh, well, that's the other side of the suggestion. <laughs> so things were a little so loosey-goosey. He kind of <laughs> did go to the hospital. He did, except he was working there. <laughs> so that's a little bit of a difference. So he graduated from medical school in eight months. Mm. Well, medical schools were different back then. Well, I, I kind of think they didn't have... That much to learn exactly. <laughs> at that point. It was, the, it was the middle ages of medicine. Right. And so at that point, he began his career as a doctor. 
And it was at this point that he became addicted to two things that would basically define the rest of his life. Narcotics and murder. Hmm. Well, he was already addicted to stealing. He was a kleptomaniac. Yeah, so just add narcotics and murder to the list. So he got married, had a son. They moved the family to Paris and began to build up a very successful medical practice. Nice. Mm -hmm. He still had this problem with kleptomania and got in some trouble for also prescribing illicit narcotics. But the two addicts that were set up to testify against him in that case uh, mysteriously disappeared Hmm. uh, shortly before the trial began. That's a nose sniffer. It is a nose sniffer. Does everyone remember that from season one last decade? You place your nose on On one one shoulder. shoulder, And then then you inhale and you do a rainbow (laughs) to the other shoulder. (laughs) That's right. You go. Give it. All the way across. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. All right. There you go, baby. All right. So um, World War II had begun around this time, and France had fallen to the Nazi regime. And the country was divided primarily by Nazi sympathizers and then those who were actively trying to overthrow the Gestapo. Right. Kind of like the United States today. Dr. Marcel capitalized on this state of fear that was going on and began to conceive a plan that would prove very lucrative for Dr. Marcel. He started by professing himself a member of the French resistance resistance to gain public trust. So he put himself out there and said he was in the resistance. He began offering his home as a safe house for resistance fighters and others trying to outlaw the, or outrun the Gestapo. Gotcha. He began promising safe passage out of France to anyone who could afford his 25,000 franc fee, which would have been about $500,000 in today's wow. money. So he was only appealing to a an elite select select group of folks (laughs) that could do that. So he hired several what was called handlers uh, to go out and round people up that might be interested in this. And uh, no one ever heard from the people that took him up on this offer, mainly because, well, he killed them all. Oh, it wasn't because of the lack of telephone service? No, because he got him out of the country and then nobody ever... No, it wasn't because of that. It's because he killed them. (laughs) He said before... This is after they were paid, or after they paid Dr. Marcel, of course, that um, before they could leave the country, they needed some inoculations, some vaccines. Of course, of course. Which to get he, them out legally. Right. <laughs> no, to make sure they were safe and oh, safe I from see. disease in these other uh, countries. Right. Um, and he administered those inoculations. Oh, good. Unfortunately, what he gave them was cyanide. Oh. And so that didn't work out so well for his clients. Mm, no. And so after he had killed them, he took all of their belongings and then dumped their corpses into the Seine River. And he did this for some time. Now, he must have taken on some less 
costly uh, customers because I don't think everybody paid 500000 bucks. But Yeah, because at some point he could just retire. He might have just done a deal. You know, I'll do it for 200000 yeah. Come on, get All over right. here. All right, your life here. Is so let's important. get your inoculations in here. Yeah. So anyway, as things got kind of hairier in the street of Paris, in the streets of Paris, it was getting a little bit crazy. Dumping bodies in the river became too risky. Couldn't do it. So he started using quicklime to dissolve the bodies. And the Gestapo eventually caught word of his activities. But by the time they went to find him, he had moved to another part of Paris. And the doctor was gone. Yeah, but not for long. So in March of 1944, so we're in 44 now, uh, Dr. Marcel left town for a few days. He's not a young man anymore. No, he's not. He's a seasoned professional murderer and doctor. Mm -hmm. Uh, He left town for a few days, and while he was gone, one of his neighbors reported to the police that 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 (laughs) famous odor that we hear so much about. There's something stinky over Was coming from the house and that often the smoke coming from the chimney was unusually noxious. It wasn't like like when you walk outside and you go, oh, somebody has a fire going. Yeah, somebody's baking pie. Now, this is like, oh, something ain't right. Yeah. So when the police are... He's not baking French pastries. No. He's baking just French. Yes. Yes. That's not the kind of French cuisine we're going to Paris for. No. So when the the police arrived, they found a note on the door saying that the good doctor was out of town but would be back shortly. And they made a decision. They were going in anyway. That's rude. when they entered the home without him, they were met with with a scene of of unimaginable unimaginable horror. horror. You're right. Oh, my gosh. I know. Good call. Yeah. Bodies and body parts strewn all about the house, some parts in canvas sacks and suitcases. Uh, in the garage, they found a large ele- amount of lime, quick lime, they're calling it. I guess yeah. it's just a... Uh, it, you know. The slow stuff wasn't going to work. And they found an incinerator that was mm. filled with limbs and bones. All, to- all told, in this little search, they found at least 10 bodies. That, that was his current crop. When Dr. Marcel arrived home, and he did come home. Oh, he came home. He told the police that he was a member of the resistance, and all of these bodies were those of Germans and traitors who he had slain as a resistance fighter. Oh. And in the craziness of France at that time, they bought it. (laughs) high five. Yeah, they believed him enough not to arrest him. But apparently he didn't convince everybody. Um, a top police official headed up an official investigation into the man that he believed was a, quote, dangerous lunatic. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So after he rounded up uh, Dr. Marcel's wife and brother, as well as several men who uh, helped Dr. Marcel in his activities, the real story started coming into focus a little Ooh. bit. However, when the police arrived at, at the home to arrest him, now he was gone. He was in the wind. The doctor was gone. It was around this time where the invasion of Normandy happened in World War II. And the search for Dr. Marcel stalled a bit. They had Mm, other things on their plate. They were dealing with something else. So he ended up hiding with friends whom he had told that the Gestapo was after him. And they were pursuing him because he had murdered some informers. 
So during that time, he let his hair grow out. He grew out his beard. He took on a, a number of different names. And Dr. Marcel was not one comfortable leading a low-profile existence. No. no, of course not. So he actually did join up with the resistance fighters. And during that time, he made quite a name for himself. It wasn't his name, but well, it was right, a different right. name. Um, as a resistance fighter. And... So much so that a French newspaper ran an article about how wonderful he was Uh with a photo, Uh different name, but with a photo. And uh, when it was published, several people recognized him as Dr. Marcel and they alerted the police and he was shortly thereafter arrested. He went on trial with a total of 131 criminal charges. Wasn't that many considering. No. And so the investigation revealed that Dr. Marcel had stolen from those he killed. And because of that, his charges were upped to murder for profit, which I guess is worse than murder. I guess so. Sounds like it. Seems Over so. the course of his murders, they say he made off with about $2 million worth of other people's money. So that's why is I that say. Is that their time or No, our that's time? our time. That's our time. So if he was charging five hundred thousand and he killed a bunch of people, I'm thinking he did some he must discount have done some work. Discounts. <laughs> he did some discounting. Um, throughout his life, he killed at least sixty people, but he was only convicted of twenty six. Mm. And so, what kind of sentence do you think they gave to Doctor Marcel? Hmm. No idea. Hanging. Beheading. Ah, they're French, of course, the guillotine. <laughs> and that was uh, in 1946, May 25th. Yeah, of and course, so the him. guillotine. So that's the story of Dr. Marcel Petois. Petois. Or Petio. Petois. Uh, I've never heard of him before this, hmm. but killing 26 people, and the, I think it's just a bad story because he was you know, giving people hope that he could get them out of France. Just give me all your stuff and I'll take care of it. And then he kills them. That's not really cool. That's not very cool. It's kind of a dick move. It is kind of a dick move. So that is the story of Marcel. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. The French guy. Yeah. Hello, France. Shout out. Shout out to France. Yeah. So what's your story, honey lamb? All right. Is it a funny one? Is it going to cleanse our palate, as you've been known to do in the past? Um, hmm. That's for you to decide. All right, lay it on me. I'm ready to hear it. My actually, my story actually is a dedication of sorts. Oh. Um, or maybe more appropriately, I should say it's a special request. Hmm. Um, and we've never done that before, but it just goes to show you. There's kind of, uh, there's the first for everything, mm-hmm. you know? Our regular listeners are well aware that I tend to go off the beaten path. True. Sometimes, all the time, pretty much every week. Mm-hmm. Um, except on the theme weeks, I, I guess. Yeah. On our, you stay. On the theme episodes, then I'm on the path. That's but, right. You stay within the guardrails. Yeah. But I'm, I'm always doing the weird stuff. And you tend to. And I do to the do the stuff, stuff. we <laughs> we own up to in the description, yeah. like the true crime, murder, and all that. Right. Um, the stuff people actually know they like, but my stuff is always like, huh? what? what? Is that really true? <laughs> what? 
What did she say? Yeah. So we did our mysteries episode in number 31, and I did a choose your own adventure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And in that episode, I explained cause versus manner of death. And then I did a story and asked you and the listeners to decide what the cause and manner of death was. I remember it. It was fun. Yeah. And I'm always asking for feedback to countingwormspodcast at gmail.com. Right. Since the stuff I do is weird. So I got the most amazing email from one of our listeners. Oh. JL from Maine sent me a reply that sounded like it came from the board game Clue. Uh-huh. Do you remember that game? Yeah, of course. So here she, Colonel Mustard. Yeah, with the yeah Colonel Mustard. With the candlestick in the and salon the, and or the, whatever. And the study. The, the library. Yeah, in the library. So here she walked me through the Clue Mansion of Suspects. Um, you know, using all of the, you know, features of that game. Right. And they ended it with, it was Jerry with the crack pipe on the sidewalk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. For those who remember that episode. Yeah. And I was in tears from how clever and hilarious it was. That is funny. And, uh, the email also suggested that I start a regular murder method segment since they were absolutely certain the other guy had stabbed him the entire time. And I'm not going to reveal anything more in the case in case we have listeners who are skippers. And shame on you. Yeah. Go back to 31. Uh, Yeah. You need to go back and listen to that episode because trust me, if you did not listen to 31, it's, it really is my favorite. So go back and listen. But the point is it was like the best feedback ever and it made my day. And I wish you would post it to iTunes, JL. Um, um, and that's not to say they haven't posted some kind of feedback. I got to go check on iTunes. Know. See but if they, Dick Face Johnson is responding. Yeah, right? That's true. <laughs> we do need to check that. But until then, this story is for you, JL, and the other couch detectives. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, let's see if you can solve this one. Oh, boy, I'm ready. Should I take notes? Um, you probably should. You okay. need a pen? I got one. The Body in the River, Counting Worms Murder Method, case number two. Ooh. <laughs> <That's> exciting. <laughs> yep. All right. Okay, so crash course refresher, cause versus manner of death. Right. The cause of death refers to the actual physical reason a person is dead. It is the what killed them. So, gunshot wound to the head, an overdose of heroin, strangulation, heart attack, drowning, diseases. Blunt force trauma. You get the idea. The manner of death refers to the way a person died. It's how they wound up dead or the classification of death. In the United States, the five recognized manners of death are homicide, suicide, accident, natural, and undetermined. Right? Painfully lacking your favorite. That is right. Death by misadventure. That's right. That is the best one, but only... The British have that one. It's true. We need to, we got to rally, we got to rally the U.S. government and get it added. But until then, only five. Now that we remember the difference in the two, are we ready to start our second case as armchair detectives? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. Lay it on me. 
Now, we have all heard it before. If you don't want to discover dead bodies, just don't go into the woods or, of course, be a runner, you know. My favorite story ever is that my surgeon who put my chemo port in was joking around with me because I was constantly pulling something on her and she's a runner. So I gave her, when she told me she was a runner, uh, I gave her this very dramatic, very worried look. And she's like, what is that about? And I said, well, as long as you know that you're eventually going to either find a body or be a body. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, I do. She laughed so hard. And she acknowledged that when she runs every morning, she checks every storm drain, hoping to find one. <laughs> That's true. She did <laughs> hoping say to that. find a dead body. We love her. Yeah, she's wonderful. Thankfully, she's really fast. So, so we don't have to worry that she's going to be the body. Um, so this story is someone like something like all of somewhat like all of those. Um, just goes to show you, though, that everyone knows this rule, even surgeons. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, so... What, that if you jog, you're going to find a body? That if you're a runner, you're either going to become the body yeah. or you're going to find a body. <clears throat> That's very true. I mean, it's... Well, it's, it's just... It's 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 just a statistic that happens to be true. It's a law of physics. It's Yeah. It, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's just going to happen. It's just the way the universe works. Yeah. I mean, because that's where bodies end up. Right. Right in the path of joggers. Mm-hmm. That's, a, so, that's been our experience. So our story starts with a hobby canoeist. Hmm. I know. That's a new one for me, too. Hmm. So I guess you only canoe occasionally when dead bodies are floating around. Hmm. Anyway, any suspicions raised already? <laughs> so this guy is only canoeing sometimes. He's a weirdo. Yeah, just canoes sometimes. <laughs> And just happens to be in this very remote area of a river, and he very rarely goes canoeing. It's just a just a hobby that he does occasionally, and he happens to discover a dead body. It happens to be a dead body that also happens to be completely invisible from land, due to the thick shrubbery and reeds growing all around the area. Hmm. Amazing luck this hobby canoeist has. On this once blue moon occasional canoe trip. <laughs> oh, look, a mannequin. Hey, wait. I think that's a real dead body. <laughs> mm-hmm. The old mannequin trick. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the body was in a supine position, which is a fancy medical term for face, torso, up. Up is actually in the word. Mm-hmm. Prone, however, means the opposite, face down. So our body was supine and on the rocks that were on the riverbank to reinforce the river. The upper body was on the stones and the lower body wearing shorts was at the water's edge. Could be a body dump. Could be they got there on their own. Hard to say. There were a bunch of broken boards, sticks, and reeds nearby. There was no identification or documents whatsoever on the body. Can I ask questions as we go? No. From your face, I'm going to say no. <laughs> I didn't even look at you. Oh, well, I'm just looking at your beautiful face. <laughs> There's no identification or documents on the body, in the pockets, or near the body that could be used to ID them. Okay. 
So the body was taken to the Hamburg Department of Legal Medicine, and this is where things get really icky. Mm. Our hobby canoeist was taken for interview. I bet he was. (laughs) During the external exam, a foreign body identified as a very large piece of wood was discovered forced into the oreopharyngeal space. Subsequent CT scan also revealed another foreign body, also wooden, had perforated the pharynx and soft tissues of the neck and extended as far as the left scapula. So somebody shoved some wood into his throat. Having been informed of the findings, police requested an urgent coroner's inquest. Let me translate. Oh. Or you could keep interrupting. Okay. Which one do you, would you prefer? <laughs> With just an external inspection and CT scan, it was obvious that two large pieces of wood were so forcefully crammed down the throat of the victim that they had penetrated all the way through the throat tissues to the left shoulder blade. And the police freaked out and said, we need a full autopsy as quickly as possible. The coroner or medical examiner quickly agreed. So any ideas so far? (laughs) I have some really bad jokes, but I'm not going to say them. Good. (laughs) I appreciate that. Yeah. So... The descendant, de- decedent is male, middle-aged, identity unknown. External exam shows numerous recent hemorrhagic scratch-like lesions, meaning cuts deep enough to bleed for more than a few minutes. Distributed in the upper and lower extremities and on the back of the body, sparsely on the abdomen, moderately intense soft tissue hemorrhages above the knees, rump, Lower thoracic spine, fingers, and palms. Rump. Rump. (laughs) Is that a medical term? (laughs) Could he have been thrown down the embankment? Fallen down? Could be. Additional findings include hemorrhages near the tongue on the left side, possible evidence of a fight scenario. Hmm. With multiple trauma-associated soft tissue hemorrhages and the oropharynx without lesions in the mouth. The wooden stake removed from the throat was 11 inches by 1.4 inches, or 28 centimeters by 3.5 centimeters. Give yourself a moment to comprehend the size of that. It's a big piece of wood in his throat. It's big. It was not sharpened, but it had multiple irregularities. It was located deep in the right pharyngeal area and exited through the soft tissue of the neck as far superior as the left shoulder blade and showed evidence of massive soft tissue bleeding. That ain't fun. Multiple other foreign bodies were removed at autopsy. Okay. The findings were consistent with both swallowing and aspiration of wooden foreign bodies. There was foreign body debris in the stomach and middle sections of the small intestines, consistent with swallowing a large amount of wooden particles. Oh, jeez. Acute inflammation of the lungs, cerebral and pulmonary edema, acute congestion of the internal organs, chronic bronchitis, liver enlargement, previous rib fractures, 
and signs of progressive dental wear. The lungs showed trouble. Distension, occasional parts of wood-like foreign bodies in the bronchi, intraalveolar and interstitial hemorrhages, and as previously stated, the brain and heart were congested too. Wow, this guy's in bad shape. Yeah. Before all this mess. Now, you have any ideas? Big stick in the throat, distended congested lungs. Is there a big wooden fence up by the embankment at the top? No. Because, I I mean... There's no fence. It was a long shot, but I'm thinking maybe he was dropped out of a helicopter and he landed face first on on a wood fence. Oh. uh, And it went into him. And then he rolled down the embankment. Hey, that's pretty cool. (laughs) I mean, that's a cool idea. I mean, uh, you know. Yeah. There's a lot of assumptions in there. First, we need a helicopter. It's a very cool idea. Yeah. There is no fence. Right. Okay. Then I'm wrong. Um, Toxicology showed no evidence for the influence of alcohol or illicit drugs. Hmm. That's unusual. Yeah, right. No medications or any other intoxicating agents at the time of death. Okay. However, a hair follicle test was submitted. We will come back to that. I think I know the answer. Undetermined. (laughs) Is that right? No? You're crazy. (laughs) Closer microscopic examination of the hands yielded multiple tiny wood-like foreign bodies in the epithelium of the flexor aspect of the right thumb. Post-mortem CT scan also showed massive accumulation of gas in the soft tissue of the neck, trunk, upper extremities, which would have had a compressive effect on the heart. (laughs) Yeah. When the hair follicle test came back, it revealed that sometime within the last eight months prior to the man's death, the regular intake of the drugs clozapine, Celexa, and mirtazapine. So I'm going to give you guys these for free. You've probably heard of clozapine. It's an antipsychotic. Selexa mm-hmm. and mirtazapine are antidepressants. It shows that they were taken within the last eight months prior to the man's death. That's a standard combination drug therapy. And the medical examiner knew what it meant when they saw those three drugs together. Those three drugs together are a common treatment for schizophrenia. Dun, 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 dun. So, as you might say, old-fashioned shoe leather helped the police find out that the man was a patient from a mental institution from abroad who somehow had found his way out on his own and was unmedicated but with no explanation from the institution as to how. His name, however, was withheld. Hmm. Now the police have turned to us. How did this man die? Do we have a crime to investigate and why? Will this be a two-part episode? What is the cause and manner of death? We have a hobby canoeist in custody. (laughs) It's time to decide before I give you the final answers. How did this man die? And was there a crime? You want my guess now? Mm-hmm. It's homicide. Yep. Yep. How did he die? He was hanging out on the embankment by the lake, 
and the hobby hobbyist canoeist came around the corner and they their eyes met and the guy made some derogatory comments to the canoeist about you know that he wasn't a real serious canoeist you could tell he was just a hobbyist and he got pissed and he grabbed one of his oars and he shoved it down this dude's throat and then threw him onto the rocks where he got all the lacerations End of story. The cause of death or in the throat. Manner of death, homicide. End of story. Next case. <laughs> Next case. Right? Did I get it? Um, or maybe he was just into eating wood. You think? I don't know. No. I'll stick with the or. Or in, or or in, in the throat. throat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you think that they sh- the Hamburg police should hang on to that canoeist. Yes, I think so. I just, yeah. I mean, those, the person who stumbles on the body, right? Usually the one. <laughs> hmm Yeah, hobbyist. Hobby canoeist. Come on. I had never heard that term before. Because well, it doesn't exist. <laughs> this guy's a fraud. <laughs> he just came up with that. Right? Yeah, sure. Hobby canoeist. Who's ever heard of such a thing? Put on your seatbelts. Oh, boy. Here we go. Come on, or. First is the easy part. The cause of death in this case. Oh, or. Suffocation. Oh, <laughs> damn. <laughs> Nothing like having a giant wooden stake crammed down your throat to make it hard for you to breathe. Yeah. Your airways are blocked. Literally. Physically. Yeah. Well, obviously, and the clues are the distended lungs, mm. the aspirated blood and wood in the lungs, the edema, all that chronic inflammation also means it took a little while. Oh, yeah. Another sure sign of suffocation. Not fun. But like I said, this really was the easy part. Uh-huh. Obviously, you didn't die of a gunshot wound. Right. So, you get at least 50% credit because he did kind of die of a wooden stake. Or, let's just call it what it is. It's an or. (laughs) What is the manner of death? Can we all rule out natural on this one? I think safely, yes. Yeah, I think so too. An accidental, as a team, we can, right out of the gate, we can rule out an, an accidental death. I mean, I hope we can. It just seems obvious this is not a natural death. If that was not obvious to you, we need to send you back to episode one, and you have to start over on the Counting Worms School of Education. Mm -hmm. So that leaves us with homicide, suicide, and undetermined. Well, now you have a one in three chance of getting this one right. But undetermined is for chickens. And I would never pull that crap on you. So how anticlimactic would that have been? So you really have a 50-50 chance. And a dead body in the river found by a hobby canoeist with a wooden stick crammed down his throat. Or You locked and loaded. And you were re- you're ready to find the perp, be it him or someone else. And everyone in podcast land, this is your last chance to give your opinion so let's review the evidence but this time 
I will interpret it for you. The injuries on his body. Yeah. They were only on his back, extremities, knees, and palms. They were consistent with movement of someone on all fours. The lesions to his back were understandable given the death scene. Remember, he was found supine. Mm-hmm. Face up. What was conspicuously absent was any injury to his face and neck. Hmm. Which, given the force needed to cram the 11-inch by 1.4-inch wooden branch down his throat, seems inconceivable, doesn't it? I thought you said it was an oar. No, I didn't. Oh, okay. Well, it seems inconceivable, at least considering I made no mention of restraint marks on his wrists. I did not mention any restraint marks on his wrists because there were not any. How would he be kept still while that branch was shoved down his throat, given he had no face or neck injury, if we know from toxicology he was not drugged? Hmm. Hmm. I also mentioned the branch, not or, because it was irregular. It wasn't smooth. Remember? Yeah. We also know there was a distinct absence of external impact or force. No blunt force trauma. We've Mm. spoken about single plane injuries before. We have. Contra coup and brain trauma. None of that existed. Only edema. Therefore, our guy did not take a beating. Hmm. Mm. Now, here are the two... Big ones. Yeah. I actually told you he had splinters on his right thumb. Did you catch it? Tiny wood-like foreign bodies in the epithelium on the flexor aspect of the right thumb. Right. Splinters. Splinters. Yeah. But that's really not the biggest clue of all. I bet you missed it. I said it at the very beginning. It was like a teaser to see if you were paying attention yet. I said there was foreign body debris in the stomach and intestines consistent with swallowing a large amount of wooden particles and progressive dental wear. This was your answer. This means previous quasi-regular ingestion of wood. Not going to touch it. Our poor little schizophrenic also had a condition called pica. Pika? What does that mean? (laughs) An eating disorder characterized by a tendency to eat substances that are typically not thought of as food or provide no nutritional value or an uncontrollable desire to eat certain substances. And in this case, it can be downright dangerous. It's so obvious. I really wanted to call this episode Pika Your Outcome. (laughs) (laughs) But was afraid that one in a hundred of you would know the answer immediately if I did. Because I don't want to underestimate how smart you peeps out there really are. So the short answer is this is the most unusual suicide you will ever hear about. Sadly, the suicide rates for people with untreated schizophrenia as well as treated schizophrenia are much higher 
than the general population. And throw Pika into the mix. And he picked a difficult place to access, a beautiful location with an idyllic view of the water, as well as trees and branches, something we know he loved. It's good eating. Then he did this to himself. Oh, my God. He must be schizophrenic. He has Pika, which is yet another disorder. So how many of you got this right? I'm venturing nobody. <laughs> Have you ever heard you of Pika before? Got, yes, I had. Really? Yeah. I almost nailed it with homicide with the oar. Yeah. Well, you almost joked it right. Yeah. You said, or he just liked eating wood. Oh, I did say that. Yeah. So do I get like a point or half credit or something? Yeah. No. No? No. Damn it. That's why I said you'll find this answer most unusual. That is unusual. Because you you joked the right answer almost. So here are some fun facts to take with you. Okay? Okay. This is some terminology regarding the pure forms of pica. First, I'm going to give you the clinical term, and you try to guess what that term refers to the person's desperate need to eat. Okay. Doesn't that sound fun? Yeah, it does sound fun. All right. Geophagia. Dirt. Or earth. Yeah. Earthy substances like sand, soil, and clay. So good job. Bingo. Gooberphagia. Chocolate-covered raisins. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll give you a clue. Huh. I think you might have this one. Oh. Peanuts. Ooh, goobers. Interesting. Gooberphagia. Maybe goobers. Are goobers chocolate-covered peanuts? I don't know. Or is that from, uh, from the th- movie theaters? That was... Uh, no? I don't know. I don't, well, you don't, don't, I don't go to movies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Somebody write that in for me, please. Yeah. Goobers. I haven't had yeah, those I'm, in a while. Yeah. Just chocolate-covered raisins. Yeah. Send us some. Maybe the manufacturers of Goobers will send us a crate. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. And then all we'll right. talk all about them on the next episode. Yeah. Lithophagia. Ink. I can see why you would think that. I'm thinking books or something or paper getting stones and pebbles oh, that was close no it wasn't well the lithographs right you know the old tablets were made out of stones oh. with stone oh marble and stuff you know oh all right pagophagia uh eating chinese lanterns <laughs> i don't know <laughs> Chinese lanterns. Yeah. Is that it? Is that right? No. Oh. What made you think Chinese lanterns? I was thinking pagodas. Oh, <laughs> gotcha. It was silly. It's snow and ice. Oh, yeah, sure. What? Oh, my God. Plumbophagia. Plumbo. Plumbo. Plumbophagia. What is it? Lead and lead paint. It's wrong with people. <laughs> <laughs> and forgive me to all those people with plumophagia. I didn't mean to offend you. Go well, back to eating your paint. They, the theory is that it begins with there being something missing in the person's diet. Mm-hmm. 
And so it starts off as like a one-time desire. It's something, you know, that the per- the person needs that, something mm-hmm. in that. Like if you're low in potassium, you get this craving for a banana. Exactly. But instead, they, they're they low in lead and they decide they want to eat some paint, right? Right. They think that's the, somehow their body or their brain tells them that's the answer. Yeah. All right. Trichophagia. Um, you've heard this, you've heard that Latin beginning before. Turkey legs. <laughs> I'll give everyone in podcast land and you a hint. Mm-hmm. I explained that Latin beginning when I, in the squash, in the toxic squash syndrome. Pumpkins. It was regarding a condition, a human condition. Human head. You're getting warmer. <laughs> Eating human heads? Hair. Oh. Hair. Hair. <laughs> I got to say, people are crazy, you know? Well, everyone's a little crazy. And finally, xylophagia. Xylophagia. Spelled with an X. X-Y? Mm-hmm. L-O? Mm-hmm. I'll give you a hint. Okay. Our body in the river had it. Wood branches. Wood and toothpicks. Aha! Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Our friend today Nailed had it. xylophagia, a pure form of peacock. Oh, God. I'm glad I don't have that, except for Rocky Road ice cream. And that's that's why he had dental wear. It's mm. from chewing wood. Oh, he needs to get some help. Well, I guess he doesn't anymore. Not anymore. His pain is over. Oh, and he's gone. Oh, well. Yep. Well... Well, that was very interesting. Yeah. I learned a lot. It gave me a lot to think about. Yes. Tell me about your sources. Where did you get all that interesting information? That was uh, that was, I was one of my prouder moments because that entire case was in Forensic Science, Medicine, and Pathology, Volume 10, Issue 3. Mm. And that was, I had to derive all of that from a simple pathology I did not get... Sounds like fun I'd, reading. No shortcuts for me on that one. I had to do it all myself. Nice. And then uh, it was the Agency France Press that gave us our worm, worm news there. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, mine came from allthatsinteresting.com, Wikipedia, Britannica.com. Cool. Dr. Marcel, the creep. Yeah, that's a creep. All right, baby, any final messages to our listeners before we sign off? Well, as you just heard, we that was a special request because somebody sent us to countingwormspodcast at gmail.com. That's right. And they said, oh, we loved the, we loved the, the murder method. You've got to do it again. And they were so cute and clever. So please contact us because it works. That's right. We respond well. We are like Pavlov's dogs. That's right. You ring a bell and we salivate. (laughs) Or if you send us a box of goobers, apparently. Yeah, a crate. A crate. So. All right. Yeah. Well, until next time. Live big. Rest in peace. The The worms worms are are waiting. waiting.